Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teaching professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning here on the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, uh, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Doing well. Well, we've got a great show for you this morning. We're going to be joined here in just a, a few moments uh, by this past weekend's winner of the Iowa Golf Classic, uh, Marta Sensbario. Uh, she's going to be joining us here. This is actually her second win on the Symmetra Tour. We're going to talk a little bit about this past weekend's win and some other things as well. And then a little bit later on, Cindy, we're going to talk about uh, a book that you put together a little while back called Golf 101 for Executives. We're going to talk a little, little bit about that, what was behind it, and what we can find in it. And then we're going to tell the folks, of course, how they can get their hot little hands on a copy of the book. So uh, we've got all that great stuff um, coming up, and uh, we're glad everybody joined us live this morning here. Uh, very quickly, for those of you, uh, obviously you found us, so you know where to, to locate us, but uh, for those of you that are still a little bit unclear, best way to go and find us is go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf. We're live every Tuesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on that network. Uh, at the end of the show, of course, in the closing uh, credits, you'll hear some other great ways that you can tune in as well. But for some reason, if you can't join us during the live broadcast, go to that link uh, that I just mentioned and scroll down to the on-demand section. and All of the shows are auto-recorded, so you can pick them up uh, whenever it's convenient for you. All right, uh, our very special guest uh, this morning, Cindy, I'm going to tell a little bit about that, and then we'll welcome her to the show. Uh, her name is Marta Sanz Barrio. Uh, she is from Madrid, Spain. And she's a three-time All-SEC second-team selection for Auburn University, War Eagle. Uh, was also named to the 2011 SEC All-Freshman Team. Uh, won the 2014 Ngaro uh, Ladies Open on the LET, or Ladies European Tour, Access Series. Uh, she also finished tied 43 at the final stage of the 2014 LPGA uh, Qualifying Tournament to earn priority list Category 17 status for the 2015 uh, LPJ Tour season. Uh, she's, uh, again, an LET or Ladies European Tour member uh, with more than 40 career starts, including a career best showing of tied six at the 2015 ISPS Handa New Zealand Women's Open. Uh, she's representing native country at the 2018 uh, Mediterranean Games, leading Spain to the team title and capturing individual gold medalist honors. Uh, she's had a total of 34 career starts on the Symmetra Tour entering into the 2019 season and became a first-time champion at the 2018 Firekeepers Casino Hotel Championship at Battle Creek Country Club. And she's also, a side note, a really big, and I mean a really big, soccer fan. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about that as well. So, Cindy, let's welcome our special guest, Marta San Mario. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you guys? We're doing great. Aren't you excited? Excited. Congratulations on your win. 
Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. Are you in yeah, Orlando make... right now? I'm in Daytona. Perfect. Go ahead, Ted. Yeah, congratulations, Marta, and, and welcome to the show. We're very excited to have you. Um, again, as I mentioned in the opening uh, credits there, this is actually your second win. Uh, you won last season, uh, and then now you've, you've uh, secured another win here. Uh, and now you're getting ready to play in the uh, Smetra Championship, uh, which is, the, I guess, the season-ending uh, tournament for the Smetra for this season. So uh, you're right nipping on the heels, if you will, for the Volvic race for the card. I think you moved up into number 13 spot. Uh, so you're very, very close to making into that top 10. Um, so obviously that's got to be on your mind going in this week, correct? Correct, definitely. Uh, very excited of uh, winning last week and giving myself a chance uh, for this week, for the last week, to be able to make it into the top ten. But I know I'm going to have to put up a really good performance anyway. So trying to get my best practice now and hopefully be ready for Thursday. Now, right. which and courses I- do you play this week? Sorry, what? Which courses? Do you play both the Jones and the Lake? Uh, no, we only play the Jones. And is that the one that is wide open or in the woods? The wide open one. Okay, cool. They change the names and I get confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Either either way, it's going to be, I'm sure, a tough test um, for a lot of you this season. Uh, you know, they're, as I said, sort of nipping on the heels, uh, uh, trying to get your your uh, your cards for the LPGA. Let me ask you something. I noticed in some of the the, the notes that we received in preparation for today um, that you really were feeling that your game is at its best, that it has been all season. Were you struggling earlier on in the season? Uh, or what was happening and what's changed to make you feel, obviously besides the win, that you're playing your best right now? It's been a little bit of a roller coaster season. Um, I started playing really well, then had a little bit of a down on there, then played really well again. And, you know, it's been up and down. So, uh, But definitely hitting the ball the best I am right now. And uh, I feel my, my putting has improved a lot with the experience of playing in the last groups um, this year. So that's why I'm feeling really good. And, you know, after a win, you always have your confidence a little bit more up than, than usual. So hopefully I can use that this week. Right. Well said. Um, let me just quickly ask you, then, Cindy, I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Um, Marta, you, you mentioned, you know, you had some ups and downs throughout the season. Obviously, when you're up, everything is sort of, firing on all cylinders, if you will. But on the weeks when you were down, uh, obviously, you, you, I'm sure as most players do, you kind of assess your game. What areas during those down times do you feel um, was sort of letting you down or not as consistent? Was there a pattern throughout the year? Was it your putting, as an example, or was it your driving that, that just wasn't uh, coming together on those weeks? Uh, what specifically do you recall? To be honest, it's been different a little bit every time I've been down. Uh, at the beginning of the season, it was more my putting uh, that I had to assess and re-practice all my basics. Uh, I was struggling to, to make putts when I was really close. But throughout the season, my putting has been getting better, and I just got a little bit uncomfortable over the ball uh, with my swing. I didn't 
I got lost. You know, we play a lot of weeks in a row. So um, right. I got a little bit lost on my swing and had to go back to working with, with my coaches and, and seeing what I was doing wrong and why I was hitting the ball uh, worse than I was before. And so it was right. a little bit of everything. Uh, it's it's long season, but it's very intense. Um, you know, we play a lot of weeks in a row, so it keeps changing. And golf is a, it's a really mental game. So it gets when something gets in your head, it's it's hard to to fix it right away. You're you're exactly right. Uh, again, well said, um, Cindy. Go ahead. Who do you work with right now on the tour? As in my swing? Yes, yes. Oh, my Spanish coach. I've had the same coach for almost 20 years now. So um, I just, we just talk Skype mostly and, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Really good. Wow. And so your coach is in Spain? Yes, in Madrid. That is amazing. So total trust there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, as I said, he's known me for so long. You know, when I was a little kid, I started with him. And just by looking at, on the side of his eye, he can know what, what's wrong with me, you know. So uh, he's a lot of help, and, and I'm really thankful for having him. Oh, that's amazing because there's so many people that – you know, you, if you change coaches a lot, you really have no idea what you're doing, and you don't, then you don't trust, and then it's a ripple effect, and then it, then you're screwed. So good for you. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, what is the best part of your game? You know, a lot of people ask that question around here. Um, it's really hard to come down to something, I think. Um, pretty consistent. On my long game, I, I'm not a long hitter, but I can get a ton of fairways and a ton of greens. Um, but, you know, always people point out we have Spanish hands. So I really like to practice my, my chipping and my bunker shots. So it's, it's hard to tell what's best. You know, it really depends on the week. I'm, I'm sure you know that. Uh, but I'm really proud of Yeah, Spanish hands is definitely a compliment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's good to hear. That is good to hear. Good for you, Ted. Um, Marta, let me ask you, um, you know, obviously, again, sort of playing off what Cindy was talking about with, you know, what your your strengths are. Um, obviously, that changes, as you, you pointed out earlier. You know, it, it some weeks, you know, you're you're hitting the ball solid and your putting's not working right, and then the next week maybe your putting's working pretty good, but then your ball striking's not so good. Um, when you get in a situation like that, you mentioned that you Skype a lot with your coach over in Madrid. Um, when you feel things are not running right, what does he say to you specifically, if, if you want, or even generally sometimes, to get you back on the right track? It's more, mostly little tweaks on my swing that, he knows have worked in the past and that will give me back my confidence on my long game and then that will start uh things running uh better but you know it's as everybody will tell me you know my parents and everybody is just keep trusting yourself it's really hard 
on golf and I mean on life really um, to stay positive and keep your confidence up but it's what does everything good for you you know if you are confident on, on something you're going to do it much better than if you're not so it's just to keep trusting yourself little tweaks on my swing and and try to play your best and have fun right yeah and and obviously because he has worked with you so long he knows when he starts to see a pattern in your play, he generally, for the most part, knows exactly what you've been doing wrong or, or you've omitted something uh, in your swing. So, like you said, he can give you little nuggets or little tidbits that will uh, get you right back on path, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's never huge mistakes. Uh, it's, it's weird that you're making something completely different than what you were doing before. You usually fall in the same patterns. Whether if I'm telling, telling him, you know, I'm pulling it a little bit, it's had a little bit of a draw, then he knows when my swing is working and, and he can tell me, you know, do it a little bit here or there and, and I, can, I can fix it fairly quickly, I guess. Right. Now, another question I want to ask you, because you are from Madrid and obviously you're coming over here to the United States to play, and, and as you said earlier, um, there are some weeks where you might be playing five, six, seven. I think there was one stretch this season you guys played, I think, seven or eight tournaments, and you know, back-to-back. Um, so that's a lot of travel, number one. But also, not being from the United States, you're over here. Are you over here by yourself, or do you have family or some sort of a support group um, that sort of helps you know, keep you uh, going each week? Because that can be very lonely for somebody that's you know, in, a, in a foreign country and and uh you know is not from here what do you do to, to sort of keep yourself up and is uh do you have family or, or friends that are over here with you um yeah that's definitely something with golf it's a lonely sport but i am very very lucky my sister plays on tour as well so we travel together and, and and that makes life a lot easier you know when you have a family member with you all the time and she plays golf and she plays out here she knows everything so uh i have the best support i could possibly have Plus, we've been so fortunate, you know, we get housing on every event, and we've met the most amazing people that we just host us and, and give us all the love they have for us. And, you know, they since we're not from the U.S., they will take us back in the weeks off because if it's one week, we don't have a lot of time to go back home and come back. So we'll go back right. to housings that we've been before, and they will take us back. And, I mean, it's it's really amazing how good people are around the world and we only see the bad, you know? Right. Well, and it's, it's nice too that they do that because it kind of gives you that sort of home family uh, as opposed to, you know, staying in a hotel all the time where it's a little bit, you know, more impersonal this way you're kind of with the family and you get to kind of see how, how they are over here and, and they kind of embrace you and, and kind of take you under their wing as, as you're staying with them from, from different tournaments. So I think that's a really great opportunity for, uh, for yourself and for your sister. Now, one final question, then, Cindy, I'm going to pass it back to you. Um, you said that your sister plays on tour as well. Are you guys pretty competitive against one another or with one another? Have you been that way for the most part of your lives, or, or, uh, or, or how does it sort of fall into place? No. Oh. For sure. We are really, really competitive, uh, really fired with each other. <laughs> you know, we always want to beat each other. But out here, being not an individual competition, you know, once against one, uh, we're more of a support than competing against each other, obviously. I would love to play on the last group with her anytime and try to beat her. 
um, but uh, it's most mostly a support thing out here than it is of a competition. But we definitely we have good rounds. It's like, oh, what do you shoot? Oh, four. Oh, five under. Yes, be you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Now, are you older or is she older, or are you pretty close in age? She's two years older than me. Okay, so she's the big sister. Yeah. Oh, very good. Well, that's good. That's good to have that kind of, you know, a little bit of rivalry, but at the same time you're there as a support group for one another, and I think that's fantastic. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Did she go to Auburn as well? Yeah, she did. Oh, <laughs> That's awesome. So you followed in her footsteps. Yes, I did. It was a great decision, honestly. We had a lot of fun. I think that joined us together more than, than we were growing up. We fought a lot. But after going to Auburn, you know, leaving home, being so far, it just joined us together really well. And now we have a, a, a really good relationship. Oh, that's awesome. So let me ask you a question. If you win this week or you make enough money to finish in the top ten, Will she stay playing the Symmetra Tour, or will she go with you and Caddy? <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to ask her that. Uh, we haven't thought that far. You know, you don't want to get in the future about it. I, I just really want to win this week and, and see what, what happens next. Okay, and that was my next question. How do you stay focused on the task at hand and not worry about results? That's hard to do. I'm sure you know. Um, I do know. I just do. <laughs> yeah, sure. Just try to to keep your head together. You know, try to tell yourself to have fun and play your game. Try to kick those those resolved thoughts away from your head as much as possible. Um, if you get it accomplished, you will have a good week. If you don't, it might get in your way. You know, but I'm I'm trying my best. I did it last week, and and hopefully I can do it this week as well. Good for you. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Um, let me ask you, Marta, um, since you mentioned, uh, and, and obviously I, I read out earlier that you went to uh, Auburn, and then we're going to talk a little bit about soccer. Um, did you watch any of the uh, Auburn football, uh, the SEC football? Do you get into that a little bit when you and your sister were, were at school? Uh, and if so, what did you oh, think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, what did you think of uh, War, War Eagle? By the way, um, War Eagle. Yeah, they. Uh, I, now I didn't go to Auburn, but I'm a big uh, Auburn fan. Is my is my team that I support here in the South? Um, what did you think of of the college football experience? Was it something that you had seen a lot before before you came over here? Uh, and when you did get into it, um, what did you like most about it? It was amazing. To be honest, uh, as you said, I'm from Spain, so soccer is really, really big over there, and I'm a Real Madrid fan, which is a big team. And we have a huge stadium, and people go crazy before the games. But what I lived in Auburn my freshman year, it was like I cannot believe all these people came to watch 18- to 21-year-old kids uh, play football, you know, I mean, the tailgating, how many hours they're there before and the atmosphere. I mean, you know, football in the South, people go crazy. And if you go to the Iron Bowl, it's just, I mean, insane, you know. 
So it was really amazing. Even though I was used to big uh, stadiums and fans, uh, what they have in Auburn for college sports, it was amazing. We had a lot of fun. We went to every game when we were home. Um, we had to, to save seats for hours. You know, that was the freshman duty. So uh-huh. you sat at, the, at yeah. the gate for three, four hours just to save spots for your team. And uh, the first, to be honest, the first few games, I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea why were they stopping all the time. They just kept stopping. It's like, why is the game not keep going? You know, oh, that's but funny. After they explained it, they explained it uh, a lot with all the signs, the red mates and the flags and everything. You know, I've gotten into it a lot. And here we are on tour and every weekend we're watching the games and hoping Auburn will do good this year, you know, we're playing Florida this weekend. So uh, it's pretty big and, and we've learned to love it a lot. And we're very, very big sports fans, so we'll join anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is a, a very interesting experience. And um, my condolences for you to have to sit there for three, four hours to save seats, because I'll tell you, those seats, at least where I was sitting, were not that comfortable. Uh, so doing that for three or four hours before the game even starts, you know, very quick, interesting little side story. The very first time I went, which was several years back, uh, to an Auburn game, I didn't really, I mean, obviously I'd watch football growing up and things like that, but I'd never been to an SEC game and it was actually, it happened to be the Iron Bowl and, uh, and it was at Auburn. Yeah. So it was really cool. Well, I was there with uh, my partner at the time and, and, um, you know, we're, her and I were getting into all the, the hoopla. And I didn't realize that the eagle, you know, went out and soared out from, you know, from up top and came down. And I turned to her, I said, look at that big bird that's coming down into the middle of the field. And I didn't realize, she said, well, that's the eagle. And I said, because I thought it was coming after one of the players. And I didn't realize, because I'd never been to it before, of course, and I didn't know. And I just saw this big bird soaring down. And, of course, that, and, every, and all the fans are going crazy. And I said, I think that bird's going to attack that person out in the middle of the field. And um, anyway, so, but it was, it was a great experience. Now, let's flip the script a little bit. Obviously, you grew up watching soccer over in Spain, which is another great thing. Um, you obviously watched, uh, I'm sure, Team USA. The, the, I'm just referring to the ladies that won uh, here recently. Um, what were your thoughts uh, about uh, that uh, whole thing that went down with uh, their team just really dominating for quite some, uh, quite through the. Uh, the- um, if, I mean, it's it's great. Uh, obviously, I hope I wish Spain would have beat you guys and we would have won, but. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. I think they're doing a great thing uh, with women's sports. Uh, they're trying to get us more uh, shown and so we can get and people can realize we also play sports really well and it's really exciting right. as well. So, I mean, they they did a great job and they're doing a great job and I hope we can all help that cause, you know. Right. Um, had you ever thought growing up about playing soccer? I mean, did you play at all as, as a young girl, you and your sister? Um, obviously not at that level, but uh, did you play soccer? Did you have any aspirations of maybe uh, playing? I did. Um, I played. I loved soccer growing up. I always played with my, with my cousins. But to be honest, when we were younger, women's soccer in the same was nothing. It's still right. not even close. Uh, you know, we didn't 
the school doesn't even have a team. It's really a men's sport. Uh, all the support and all the money goes through them, so it's really hard to have women's team. They're growing, trying to grow it more and more now. Right. The, the Spanish women's team is doing uh, so good, and the league is getting better, and people are starting to watch it. But when I was a kid, there was nothing. Uh, there was no team for me to join or anything. So um, I played a little bit in school, you know, to have fun, but not much. Right. Um, and, and as you said, it, it, it's going to grow. Um, but you did play golf uh, and represented uh, Spain back in 2018. That was obviously a very enjoyable experience as well. And obviously, uh, uh, you captured uh, the individual gold medalist honor. So obviously, uh, congratulations on that as well. But obviously, that is something that is really growing uh, in Spain, correct? Yes, uh, definitely. We are, I mean, we have the perfect weather. So there's a lot of a lot of golf courses, and it's growing and growing. The, the expectation for it is really big, and we're getting there. And, you know, this week is the Spanish Open for the European Tour, and, and it's in Madrid, and people are going crazy over it. So hopefully we keep, we keep growing it and, and getting better at it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think that uh, women's sports in general, I think we're starting to see um, more and more on a global scale. Uh, golf particularly obviously has, has really been in the forefront of a lot of sports, um, thanks to young ladies like yourself and many of the others that have uh, come before you. Um, and it's, uh, it's really growing internationally now, not just here in the United States, um, where, it, where it obviously uh, was um, very well rooted. But um, I'm sure the other sports are, are going to start following suit as well. Well, Marta, we want to thank you for joining us uh, this morning on the Women of Golf Show. It's been a pleasure to have you, and and um, good luck to you, and good luck to your sister as well. And and uh, I hope you uh, I hope you do well this week. Thank you so much. It was great being on the show. Thank you. All right. Have have fun. Good luck. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. All right, that was, that was Marta Sands Barrio, uh, winner of the uh, 2019 Iowa Golf Classic uh, last weekend, and she's off to play in the uh, Symmetra Tour um, uh, Championship, I think it's uh, referred to, uh, in Daytona this week. So uh, obviously she's uh, very excited about that. Um, Cindy, before we have our, our discussion here on the second half, um, why don't you set up, because it's sort of going to follow suit, uh, this clip and we'll play it. Well, if you need to learn to play the game of golf and use it as a business tool, you should listen up. Everyone knows business deals are made on the golf course. Knowing how to act is just as important as how you hit it. As an LPGA professional and corporate trainer, I offer workshops, seminars, and executive retreats to teach you how to do both. From the back nine to the boardroom, improve your team from the inside out, or Golf 101 for executives might be the perfect fit for your team. Maybe it's time to make some deals on the course. For more information, go to cindymillerinc.com. All right, and I hope all of you will do that at the end of the show um, and, uh, and reach out to Cindy. And also, uh, we're going to talk about her book now, Golf 101 for Executives. And uh, we'll tell you how you can go after the show and order yourself a copy. Cindy, this was um, <clears throat> something that I've actually wanted to talk to you about for some time. And, and as you know, uh, we communicated last night uh, and uh, I 
actually when I had been meaning to do this for some time and I kept forgetting and and I think it was last week on the show you mentioned something about your book and I thought oh yeah I need to and I went on last night and I ordered it so I'm very excited and looking forward to, to receiving that um, but I, I wanted to talk about this because you know most golf professionals you know will write a um, an instructional book and and how to and how to succeed on on this area of the golf course or maybe about the short game or something but this particular book is a little bit different because you're talking about really um, very much like the clip talked about is sort of marrying the two together um, golf for uh, business people and, and obviously I'm sure there's some other things in there as well that uh, we'll talk about but give us your thought process on why you decided to write this book and and um, how it sort of came about there are so many other things you need to know when you play golf and my husband and I have played on both tours you know the LPGA tour the PGA tour then we started teaching and when you know I would teach people the skill of how to set up and you know, plan, prepare, and produce a golf shot. And then we would take them out on the golf course. And I found that they had no idea what they were doing. And it was a delayed intelligence attack, if you will. And I thought, well, how would they know where to walk, what to do? How would they know that? They've never played. So when you've grown up in the game and you've been around it your whole life, you aren't aware of the little things you must learn to do. So I found there was a need to teach people everything they didn't learn when they were hitting a shot. And we also do a lot of corporate training and clinics. And, you know, so many people, men and women, will come in and say, you know, every Friday afternoon or Monday, the big boys are going to play in a corporate outing or a charity golf event. And I'm either not going or driving the cart. I need to learn to do this. So I found there was a huge need for people to learn all the, you know, why should I play? What do I learn? Mm. How long will it take to become adequate at it? All those things. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned that, Cindy. Um, I interviewed uh, somebody um, last season that um, asked that very question, one of the, um, you know, she had worked in corporate America for, and including in, in with big banks and so forth for about 20 years and had never played golf. And she said that one of the things that used to frustrate her a little bit or, or certainly make her feel out of sorts was she would come in after the weekend and a lot of her, her fellow coworkers would be talking about golf. You know, they played golf on the weekend or they did this, or even sometimes during the week, they would be taking clients out to the golf course. And she just really didn't know anything about that. And finally, you know, and felt left out of the conversation. You know, she had nothing to, to put into the conversation because she really knew nothing about it and didn't play. And she decided to take it upon herself um, to learn more. So she actually approached one of her coworkers and decided to, um, inquire about it and he kind of hooked her up with uh, a golf professional in her area and you know now she plays and now she actually uh, does very similar to what you're talking about is encourages others to to do that why is golf um, unlike any other sport out there uh, an asset for business people what what is it that golf offers that 
many other sports don't for executives. Because you get to spend four hours with someone that right. doesn't have any time. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, that being said, just to get a phone call with someone and schedule a 10 or 15-minute phone call or a lunch meeting, this is four hours that you get to spend with someone on a golf course, and you have the opportunity to learn so many things about them. And right. one of the, you know, some of the, can they intently focus on the task at hand? You know, are they a risk taker? Are they honest? Are they fair? What's their response to success or failure? What does their body language communicate? Are they a Eeyore? Are they negative? Are they, oh, here I go right. again. You know, <laughs> how do they handle adversity? Right. Do they have a temper? So many things that you're going to learn about someone that many companies require you to play an 18-hole round of golf with someone before you get chosen for the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big thing, uh, especially in, in the corporate world, because, it, and you're exactly right, and, and every point that you made uh, is is spot on. And a couple that really jump out to me is their integrity and their honesty. Um, you can learn, you know, what, what a lot of people don't understand, obviously people that have been in business for a while, they've caught on. But for I think this is really a great opportunity for new executives or for new business owners uh, to really gravitate to because, as Cindy, as you know, um, there are so many opportunities that playing golf, even if you're not that great uh, yourself, you can spend a lot of time with somebody and get to really know them. You know, in a 10 or 15-minute phone call, if you're fortunate enough to get one, um, you don't really get to know that person very much. It's a very quick conversation. A lot of times you're just trying to get your product information or your service out there to see if there's an interest and then go from there. Um, but if you're able to get them out on the golf course, you can learn um, exactly whether you even want to do business with these people. If they're, if they're very dishonest on the golf course, if, they're, you know, if you notice that they're cheating or you know, not doing things uh, sort of above board, that tells a lot about that person's integrity, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you want to know that, you know, how well do they perform under pressure? Do they follow the rules? You know, do they care about customs and procedures? Do they take responsibility for their actions? Do they know where, you know what I hate? I hate the person who thinks they know what they're doing and you go play (laughs) with them and they drive the cart where they're not supposed to drive the cart and they think it's okay. So they're not humble enough to know that they need to make, an effort to know the rules. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's no big deal. Well, no, it is a big deal. You know, (laughs) you just drove across the green. Yeah, it's a big deal. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Are they considerate of others or are they selfish? Right. You know, do they ever come and get the pin? You know, right. Do they have realistic expectations? Do they think they should be better than they should? Yeah. And, and you've mentioned this before, Cindy, and, and then we'll get back to some of the specifics in the book. Um, you've mentioned this before because obviously being um, someone that's played, you know, on the LPJ and, and of course now on the Legends Tour, um, you know, you've played in a lot of pro-ams. So you had the opportunity to play with a lot of corporate types <laughs> in those pro-ams, right? I mean, and uh, obviously have had some successes and enjoyed the experience. And I'm sure there's been some times when, 
you know, it wasn't as pleasurable or maybe, you know, you, you saw some things that really just didn't sit well with you. Um, when you were doing that, I don't know when, and I guess I should have asked you this question first, but when you actually put this book together, did you draw from some of those experiences when you were putting this book together? I did. <laughs> and and being <laughs> certified in behavior and motivation, I, I in fact, I have on page nine, the personalities, you know, mm-hmm. and everyone's born with their own unique behavior style, but sometimes right. we can go overboard. This, you know, happens when our strengths get out of hand and become our weaknesses. And then I, I list four extreme examples of who you might get paired with, you know, the show off. This person loves bright colors. They talk too much. They have something <laughs> flowered, you know, their golf bags and purse are a mess. They're usually late. Uh, they yeah. they lose things. You know, they're loud and overly talkative. They don't understand. They need to shut up. They think they're more important <laughs> than anyone else and want to make sure you know that, you know. Right. And again, that would be the high I personality. Then you have the control right. freak who's typically the boss. And again, these are extremes. So, but right. we've all been paired with these people. This person needs to be in charge. They'll walk up to you and often intimidate you with their power. They need to win at everything. You know, you should let them. Right. They take uncalculated risks. Oh, I can make it. I can make it. Or they stand in the fairway and go, "Well, I can't hit yet." You know, I hit it so far. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit them on the green, and then they chunk it. And they always make silly <laughs> mistakes. And and they always want to hit first, mm-hmm. which is fine, but um, they can be intimidating and make everyone else very uncomfortable. Then you have the perfectionist. They want to do everything just right. You know, their golf clubs are in perfect order in the golf bag. So if you pick up one of their clubs and you drop it in their bag and you put it in the wrong spot, they're going to go nuts on you. They yeah. never wear bright colors. They take a long time to make a decision, and they're very slow players typically. They're quiet. They keep to themselves on the course and get their feelings hurt easily. So don't, you know, I happen to be the control freak type, so I have to be aware and adapt my behavior to someone who's this perfectionist because I can make rash comments, if you will, that will hurt someone's feelings. <laughs> right. <laughs> the perfectionist is a student of the game. They they always ask questions and take notes. <laughs> Um, let them keep score because they won't make a mistake. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, They're let the, me uh, let me ask. <laughs> yeah. Let me uh, ask you um, right from the beginning of the book. Uh, and again, we obviously don't have time to get into every chapter, and and uh, I don't want to ruin it for me because I'm excited to to get the book and and read it. But what do you start with in the book? Like from from the first page, you know, onwards. What sort of first, what did you tackle first? What do you want to make sure that people, when they're reading it, this is the thing I want them to see first? Uh, Well, right here, few other sports offer the same opportunity to build stronger alliances and better relationships in the corporate world than golf does. You either don't play at all or you worry that your skills are not up to par with those of your corporate colleagues. You may realize the value of time spent on the links but are apprehensive about investing the hours, money, and energy it takes to really be a good player. If you recognize your disadvantage in the corporate world because you don't play golf well, this is your opportunity to make the change. And then, you know, why should I play? You yeah. know, 
because your stock value will go up. You know, your personal stock value will go up if you can say in the office, yes, I know how to play. And again, no one cares how you play. They care how you act. And it's funny that you say this because I played in the M&T corporate golf outing and three of our children locally, well, one, my son, and then two of their wives were at the Mm -hmm. event. And my son, who... He shoots, you know, 85 to 95, right? He's not good. I've got another right. son who's a plus five, right? But right. this one got paired with two, three people who didn't know anything. And he said, Mom, no, that never hit home to me until after I played in this event. He said, I knew my job wasn't to hit the ball. It was to make them feel comfortable. And when we mm-hmm. got done playing at the dinner two of the three people walked over to me at the dinner and said, oh, my gosh, your son was a gem. He was so nice to us. And he said it wasn't how they acted. It was how I acted, even though I wanted to kill them because they didn't know what they were doing and didn't know when to hit. But all day long I adapted my behavior to be so nice and welcoming to them. So they felt Mm. great about saying yes to the invitation. Now, both sides yeah. of that, you know, too bad for Matt that he had to deal with that. And for these people, <laughs> they need to take some golf lessons and learn. But on the other hand, that's a, that's what's important is you need to be a part of the day and you need to know how to act. And no one really cares how you hit it as long as you just pick your ball up and move. Right. Yeah, and that's that's exactly right. You know, when I used to – um years ago when i used to obviously play a lot more i used to specifically um look for people just like what you were describing that maybe were not that great um and i would join with them not uh you know because i wanted to solicit for lessons and things like that so much as i didn't want them to be you know because a lot of times you get maybe two women would come in and and they'd want to play and of course you know the courses are are you know, matching everybody up. And more often than not, um, you know, they would get paired with, like you said, some guy that just wants to bulldoze over everybody. And it would be a very intimidating experience for them. And I didn't want them to come away, especially if they were new to the game. You know, if I kind of sensed they were new. And I used to, ticket of course, I'm thinking about, I used to know the, the guy that, uh, um, the, the director of instruction there. And I used to say to him, look, if you've got a, a pair coming in or even, you know, a single coming in that you know is not really good, you know, put them with me. And I would do exactly what you were talking about there. Is I would, you know, forget about my own game. It was there just to, to make their experience more pleasurable because the last thing I wanted them to do was to get paired up or, you know, mixed up with somebody that was an A-double-S and ruin their experience to the point that they never wanted to play again. And I've seen that happen. So kudos to your son for recognizing that. Um, that just goes to show you what I've said to you before is, you, you know, you guys have done a great job and obviously raising your children um, for them to be able to recognize that. Um, that's a, a great uh, quality to have. Um, well, and, and again, you, you just need to be aware of that. So for our listeners, you can get frustrated that someone doesn't know what they're doing, but boy, oh boy, can you sure. make a friend with making them feel comfortable? And that's your job. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
you know, this is the thing, and this is why, unfortunately, a lot of people have dropped out of golf. Um, you know, obviously, there's still millions playing it, but I've spoken to, pardon me, a, a number of people that have dropped out, and one of the um, pet peeves, if you will, is not feeling welcomed or feeling intimidated out in the golf course because, you again, you get somebody that's paired up with them that's, you know, there to, you know, in their mind to win the Masters, and they've got two or one or whatever the case may be, or even three that are not that accomplished, um, that's not a good fit. Um, you know, you have to kind of more fit with personality than you do with, with the, the, the level of their game. Um, all right, so let's go back to the book for a second here. What are some other key things in your book that you wanted to make sure people take away? I think it's really important if you're going to start playing, which, you know, I'm not sure if that person's on the, you know, listening to this show right now, but if you're going to take lessons, you really need to interview your instructor. You need to ask around town, you know, who teaches golf, Google it, read about them, find out if they're qualified. You know, have they ever been to any school? Because so many people, I, I teach at a range where, you know, there's a guy that's been teaching golf for 30 years who's not got any certifications whatsoever. And right. he teaches all the time, you know. So I, and not that that's bad, but I think you need to go, you know, either PGA, LPGA, United States Golf Teachers, something. You've got to be something right. to know that you've learned how to teach golf. Um, and then I would also make sure that, your personality clicks with them. What I mean by that is I'm, you know, a big control freak and I'm married to a nice quiet guy who wants to hit balls (laughs) over on the side by himself. So, you know, I fell in love with Alan because he is so calm, cool and collected. If I had somebody that taught me that was like me, they might drive me nuts. So, you know, make sure you interview your instructor first. The other thing I would say is, Everyone misses shots. No one hits every shot perfect. And those who miss it best without getting ticked off typically win. So this is a game about resilience, tenacity, being humble, and being able to miss it good. And then evaluate what just happened and learn how to fix it. What would you say? Yeah, I, I agree with, with all the above. I think, you know, when I've worked with, with corporate people, what I've tried to always instill in them is that, again, as you mentioned earlier, it's not about whether, you know, you're a great player or not. First and foremost, it's an opportunity for you to, you know, communicate not just with clients but with your fellow coworkers and, and things. like. It's, it's a way to have – sort of a common bond, if you will. And I've always equated golf to life um, in a sense that unlike many other sports that are more team-oriented, golf, and of course there are some exceptions in golf. We know the Solheim Cup and and, uh, Ryder Cup and so forth. But for the most part, golf is an individual-based sport. So you're really only accountable to yourself. And it teaches you uh, a lot of things, integrity, it, te- it teaches you obviously honesty, um, but it also teaches you patience, believe it or not. I mean, I know there's some days we're not that patient on the golf course, 
but there are so many great life lessons that you can learn on the golf course that can then translate into your everyday life, but also your business life. And I'll give you an example. I, I was interviewed this last Saturday uh, by somebody I know you know, Robbie Raw, who, who has been working with you a little bit on her game. And we talked about that very thing. And I said, you know, what, what's interesting is if you think about uh, an executive uh, who's going into the boardroom as an example, um, you know, there's certain things that they prepare for their meeting with their staff or, or um, you know, fellow coworkers. They, there's a preparation process. There's a, a gathering of information and, and getting it all together. And then there's a presentation. Well, it's the same thing on the golf course. You know, when you go out to play, uh, especially for, for someone like yourself, Cindy, you know, you have practice rounds. So you go out there to get the lay of the land. You want to know where, you know, the good areas are that you, you want to land your ball. And so, so you, you gather the information together. Um, it's not about perfecting your ball striking. When you're going out in these practice rounds, it's not about perfecting ball striking. It's about gathering information and assessing the course that you're going to be playing. So you're putting all of those components together before you actually go out and play. So it's the same thing uh, in, in work. So if you're very disorganized on the golf course and you're not putting yourself in, in, in a proper perspective, then more often than not, you're going to be that way in your job. Same thing with sales. You know, sales, you prepare for the sales call. You prepare for... Um, you know, putting a, 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 a um, uh, project together uh, or a sales call or whatever the case is. So if you're very disorganized in one, more than likely you're going to be disorganized in the other. So golf is a great way, I feel, to sort of encompass those uh, traits, if you will, and getting them um, that you can, again, as I mentioned, transfer, translate into life. So that's what I try to teach people. I do it in a much shorter version than what I just did, but um, – but that's what I try to get them to do. I try to understand that how they act and how they conduct themselves and work on the golf course, once they develop those and hone those skills, they can now use that in their everyday life and vice versa. What do you think? Absolutely. 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 Yeah. You're you know, and, and it's not, it, yeah. It, it, what's interesting is, you know, Again, you mentioned a lot of different personality types. Um, you get people that are very, very organized in their office, but then you put them in an environment that they're not used to or not comfortable, and suddenly it's, it's like chaos. And once you understand their personality, then it makes it a little bit easier for us as instructors to be able to work with. If you've got somebody that needs, for instance, um, doesn't like a lot of technical jargon or doesn't like uh, a lot of technology – you know, then you're going to teach to their environment, not to your environment. And somebody that likes the numbers and likes to have the stats and likes to have, you know, all this video work done, well, then, again, you adjust accordingly. I think one of the problems, um, and this is where going to your point of being certified and, and taking these different courses and things like that is very, very important because one of the problems that I have seen in the golf industry is this one-size-fits-all. And, you know, you'll get somebody out there and they've got the track man, they've got the video camera set up and they've got all this stuff going. And for some people, it's very intimidating. So you have to really understand the player and you have to understand um, what it is that they're looking to do. As you point out many, many times on the show, the why. Why are they in the first place? Um, why do they want to play golf? So once you understand those questions and this is a great, great opportunity 
for business people uh, to be able to add to their repertoire. But if you don't take the time to really get to know them and understand their needs, uh, it can be disastrous. And, uh, and again, as you said many times, even here this morning, they don't have to be a great golfer. They just have to be somebody that is um, willing to learn and willing to humble themselves uh, and say, you know, it's okay, and, and be willing to adapt to whatever the situation, pick up the ball. If, if, you know, if you're not hitting very well, um, be cognizant of that. Pick up the ball and, and let's move on to the next shot. And I think once people understand and, that, and that's obviously right what you're trying to do with the book. Absolutely. And that's what I want people to know because it's so important that they um, it, it come and play. We want to invite you to come and learn and not be intimidated. There's just a few things that are really, really important. And we want to protect you so you don't make any mistakes or faux pas on the course. And once you understand that, you know, so I would suggest you buy some lessons. Number one, interview the instructor. Find out who's the best person that can teach you to hit the ball, to understand the golf clubs. Find, you know, one or two clubs that you can hit consistently that you're comfortable with. And then go do a playing lesson so that you experience the on-course situation, and then you're good to go. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Take the leap of faith, yeah. right? Right. And, and the more effort you put into it down the road, I mean, you know, basically our job is to give you the tools necessary to complete the task. And whether or not you choose to um, take it further than that, in other words, if you – want to go and spend more time working on the different things that we talk to you about, that's entirely up to you. And obviously we know that the more practice and, and obviously with a purpose, uh, keep that in mind, but the more that you go out and work on these different things that, that your teacher or coach uh, is working with you on, um, then the more accomplished you're going to be. But if you're, you know, if you're not going to do that, then obviously you're not going to see the results. So you have to be willing to make a commitment as, a, as an individual. Uh, and, and again, you know, you, you might just want to be involved uh, with the corporate outing. Maybe they, they're having a, an annual corporate tournament. You don't care about playing any other time. You just want to be involved instead of, as you said, driving the cart or being the, you know, the sign-in sheet person uh, for everybody that's having a good time. You want to feel more involved in that. That's fine. Once you define that, you can still go and take a few lessons to at least you're going to feel comfortable that you understand what's going on. And, and Cindy, you know this, and we've talked about this before as well. There are some people that don't even know what to do when they drive up to the golf course. They have no idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You know, what do I do with my golf bag? Do I just leave it here? Does somebody come and get it? Do I drop it off the door? Is there a concierge? You know, like what goes on? Um, And and they don't know um, the rules And, and they don't have to memorize the whole rule book but they should have a, a basic understanding of the rules of golf. And I, I'm assuming that these are things, too, that you're, you're touching on in your book, correct? Absolutely. When I pull up, what do I do? Right. Where do I go? Right, exactly. How much yeah. do I tip people? Oh, I didn't know I should tip. Yeah, you should tip. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, you know, these are things that might seem simple, when you hear them now, but you'd be surprised how many people 
um, and Finn, you know, you know that um, new golfers that come in, especially, uh, and, and I'm not trying to pick on one side or the other, but especially a lot of new women that are coming into the golf. They've never played this sport before. They have no idea. You know, maybe they've seen a little bit on TV or maybe a girlfriend's gotten them into it. Uh, and they pull up and they have absolutely no idea what they're supposed to do. Um, they're, they feel very intimidated. And I think this is where, as an industry, we have to do more to make them feel well, welcome. It's not just about you know, making money at the golf course, it's about making it a pleasurable experience. And it starts, you know, with the second they drive into the to the parking lot. Um, what what can we do differently to, to make it a more inviting and pleasurable experience? So um, on that note, Cindy, um, let's tell the folks how they can reach out and get a copy of your book, where they can go to get that, and uh, any other final thoughts you want to uh, let them know about this book. They can email me, Cindy, at cindymillergolf.com. They can purchase the book online at cindymillergolf.com or cindymillerinc.com or on Amazon. It's called Golf 101 for Executives by Cindy Miller. Very good. Um, Well, I'm very excited about getting it, and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, is there going to be a follow-up, do you think, to this book? Is there going to be – any other thoughts that you're going to put together maybe in a future book? I don't think it's going to be a book. I think it's going to be an online class. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, we will keep yes. uh, we will keep an eye out for that. <laughs> Spinning some more plates, I see. All right. I want to thank everybody <laughs> for for uh joining us uh, this morning here on the Women of Golf show. We always have a great time and it's always a pleasure uh, to not only have great guests, but to have some interesting discussions as well. So make sure uh, that you go and visit, um, for two reasons, um, Cindy's website, uh, cindymillergolf.com or cindymillerinc.com. You can get your hot little hands on her book, Golf 101 for Executives. And if you're somebody, if you're uh, you know, an executive uh, currently, or maybe you've just started a new business, and you've been hearing a lot of buzz about how golf can really uh, be a great asset uh, in the business world, and you want to work with somebody, she's the gal to reach out to. So uh, reach out to her. You can email, go to either one of the websites there, and all of her contact information is there, and uh, you can connect with her, and, and she can help guide you uh, in the best way. But go and get the book. It's, uh, it's going to be a great read. I'm looking forward to getting my copy. And as always, Cindy, it's a pleasure. Um, a special thanks again to our, our guest this morning, Marta Sands Barrio. Uh, again, uh, congratulations on your win this past week and good luck this week. And uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us this morning here on the Women of Golf Show. Until we see you next time, God bless everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.